0: I want to say welcome for those of you that are new here. My name is Colby. I am the, the pastor here at Elevate Church, and we're in a series called Uncommon. In fact, this is week four of a four-part series. Next week, we are shutting this thing down, talking about a, a passion that God wants us to have and be bold and courageous, and it's going to be baptism weekend here at Elevate Church, which is always incredible, and so we're looking forward to that. We're in the series because we believe we have an uncommon God. And because we serve an uncommon God, He wants us to live an uncommon life. And we are a part of the greatest cause on the planet, the local church. And so we are a part of living out this uncommon cause that God has called us to. Now, before we dive into the, the, the content this morning, let me ask you guys a question. Has anyone ever been blindfolded before? Not like in a weird, freaky way, all right? I'm not talking about that. Have you ever been blindfolded before? Maybe like a pinata? Or, uh, or pin the tail on the donkey or something like that, whenever you're blindfolded, it kind of creates a little bit of anxiety, right? Not, not knowing what's going on, not knowing where you are, not knowing kind of what's happening to you in college. Um, whenever one of my friends would get engaged, we would do something to them, because it was fun, that's what you do. And so if someone got engaged, we'd either throw them in the lake, uh, or we would um, throw them in the back of a, a van, drive them out to Walmart, leave them for dead, all that kind of stuff, so... One of my friends, Aaron Nadlicky, who is about six foot nine, All right, he's a um, and his last name really is Nadlicky, that's super weird, but uh, six foot nine, he's a basketball player, we took him from his dorm room and we blindfolded him, and we put him in the back of a van, we stripped off his shirt, now, it's not as weird as it sounds, we, we, we put him in this van, blindfolded, and then we took him in front of uh, his soon-to-be wife, well, the person he got engaged to, her dorm room, and like tied him to a lamppost. Duct taped around his hands, duct taped around his feet. He still had his blindfold on so he didn't see what was coming. And we began to take all the the hair clippings that we'd stored up for the last few months in the men's dorm, whenever you take a haircut, like we, we put it in a trash bag. And so we had trash bags loaded with hair. And we took syrup and dumped it all over him. You know where this is going, don't you? And then we took this hair and dumped it all over him, just kind of left him out there. He looked like a giant Wookiee tied to a lamppost. But he was blindfolded. And I was thinking about that and thinking how sometimes we can go through life and really be blindfolded, not kind of know what's in front of us, not know what's coming. And I think a lot of us are blindfolded when it comes to the values and the direction of the church. Because a lot of times we can go to church and go home and go to church and go home and really not know what's driving this thing, what's kind of leading us forward, what what the momentum is behind this cause called the church. And so that's what I wanna talk about this morning. And I think the best place for us to start really is by understanding the mission and vision of Elevate Church. So if you're new here, I'm gonna put our mission statement up on the screen. If you guys would do me a favor and help me by reading it out loud. Elevate Church, here we go, exists to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ. One more time, we exist to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ. We are not about building a denomination. We are not about building a building. And if you're, you're new here, you need to know that. In fact, if you want to jot that down, take a note, write down our mission statement. Um, I heard that 95% of people that actually take notes end up in heaven. So that's probably a good number <laughs> for you to remember. But we're not about making the name on the building famous. We are about seeing people far from God, helping people far from God reach their full potential in Christ Jesus. That's why we are here. And I want to unpack that a little bit for us this morning. If you have your Bible, open up to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay. We made it super easy for you. We'll have the verses here up on the screen. And we're looking at the first church. So the early church, after Jesus uh, came to earth, uh, after he lived his 33 years, after he was uh, crucified, dead, and buried, came back to life, um, conquering sin and death for all, once and for all, the ch- first church started catching fire, started kind of building momentum, right? This is, this is the first group of people that started to gather together. Verse 44 of Acts chapter two says this, all the believers were together and that they had everything. What are those two words? One more time, in common. Don't forget that. They had everything together in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Comparatively speaking, this is a a very small church we're talking about. Of course, on the first day of the church, we know that 3,000 people, you know, met Jesus, gave their life to Jesus, and were baptized that very first opening day. But compared to the population of the world now, this is a small church. But the small church made a tremendous impact, so much so that it's impacting us here Today, here we are, 2,000 years later, still looking to them. They were, I think we could all agree, a very uncommon church. Today we have massive churches uh, with, with thousands and thousands of people, some with 40, 50,000 of people all around the world, but with a much smaller impact on the world. Why is that? What is the the difference? Well, in my my opinion, they were tremendously blessed. They had favor with people. They were growing in number because of those two words that I had you say out loud. Because they were in common. They were unified. They were together. They had this singular focus because of what they had in common. It made them uncommon. They believed that God's word was so important, so valuable to them that they would hang out together. They would get together daily and study it. They, they believed so much in doing life together that they, they would live together. They would, they would have meetings. They would eat together because everyone knows meetings are better with food. Amen? Like, that's what they did. And they wouldn't lose sight of the fact of, of how important it was to live generously, They they took all the stuff that they had and they gave it away because uh, a saving grace uh, from Jesus Christ doesn't make us more greedy. It makes us more generous. And so they would give their possessions, give whatever they had. They were uncommon because of what they had in common. Unity, agreement, togetherness, this common focus, this common vision and mission. And so I believe, jot this down, it's what we have in common that makes us uncommon. That's what I believe. I believe that as we are together, as we are unified, as we have a singular focus, and I want to remove the the blindfold and let you know of some of the things that we are focused on and some of the things that we agree on. Because what does God desire? I believe he wants unity from us. I believe he wants us to be united. I believe he wants us to have things in common, things together. What does our spiritual enemy Satan want? He wants division. Die division, the word die vision, meaning two, right? Die two vision, a split focus, a split, a split vision, not, not a singular focus. And so let me ask you this question. Would you say um, Christian churches in America are more united today or more divided? What would you say? Tragically, I would agree. I would say they are more divided. In fact, maybe some even worse than that. Some are even splintered. Some even, you know, are fighting and battling against one another, denomination after denomination, or local church, you know, fighting local church. And I have to believe that that would break the heart of God. In fact, if I took those verses in Acts chapter 2 and I I translated them into a modern day translation of how these verses are actually lived out today, this is how I believe it would read. This is the NCIV version, the new Colby International version, (laughs) which is not a real version, all right? You can't go buy it. You're not going to find a one-year NCIV. I think that might be pretty cool. But this is how it would translate. All the believers were divided. They didn't have anything in common. Hoarding their stuff, they kept as much as they could for themselves every now and then if it wasn't football season or the Steelers weren't playing. Shame on you. And they weren't too tired. They would come to church late, hang out for an hour, and leave early to beat the traffic. They loved Jesus when it was convenient. Yet they were despised by people for their hypocrisy, and very, very few people We're saved. You say, Colby, why why is that? Why do you think that? And I think there are many reasons for that. But I think the, the foremost reason is that we, Christianity in America, has become more of a me centered Christianity than a we centered Christianity. You know what I mean? I can hear it in language as I talk to people out in the lobby. They're like, you know, they'll tell me I'm just church shopping, just church shopping. Just hopping around, bouncing around. If this one meets my needs, great. If that one, you know, doesn't meet my needs, great. Then I'll just, I'll just move on. In other words, it's all about me. It's all about what I want, what I can get out of it. Or some people will even say, you know, I'm just checking this thing out. And if it doesn't meet my needs at all, then I just won't go anywhere to church. Because it's all about me. But when I read Acts 2, when I, when I read the New Testament, there's way more focus on being a we-centered church church than a me-centered kind of church. In fact, I've said this before. In my own language, I've told people you know, thousands of times, you need to have a, a personal relationship with Jesus, and you really do, because no one can do that for you. So that's very important, but we also need a shared relationship. In Christ, where we come together in community and we worship God and we we praise, we sing, we clap hands, we, we lift holy hands. Some of you are like, Why do why do we even do that on a weekend? Why would we clap? Why would we raise our hands? Because God's word says to, right? And so I just came to that place in my own life where I realized, hey, like this is how God wants to be worshipped, so that's what I'm gonna do. But we come together in, in community and worship Him to have an encounter with Him. In fact, if you've ever wondered why. We don't do church membership here at, at Elevate. I've just always thought if you're a believer in Jesus, you're already a member of the family of God. You know, you just, why, why would you become a member of a church, you know, if that, if that was the case? We're just, we're already a member. In fact, I always hated the term membership for churches. It always left a bad taste in my mouth, right? Membership is for country clubs, Membership is for uh, YMCAs or, or red level boxing. Where's my boxers at in the room? Like, like That's what membership is for. And I don't want you to think of yourself as a member. Rather, as a, as a, a partner for the cause of Christ. Partnering together in, in unity, we partner with other believers to help people far from God reach their full potential in Jesus. And that means... You bring you, and you bring you, and you bring you, and we all bring our parts together to do whatever we can to help fulfill that mission. And together in unity, in common unity, community, we bring what we have in common, and God makes us uncommon for the cause of Christ. Now, I wanna give you four things that I believe that we can agree on, that we have um, in common that makes us uncommon. Before we do that, let me just say this. If you are a believer and, and this is not your church, right? you, you don't like it here and you're just kind of checking this thing out and you're gonna go somewhere, you'd say, you know, this is not, not for me. Listen, that's okay. I'm glad that you're here checking it out. That's fine. But if, if, if you're a believer and you're not connected here, you know, you don't, you don't like the, the, the incredible music every weekend. You don't like the phenomenal messages that you hear. And I'm not talking about me. How about Will Law last week? Come on, you guys. Yeah. But if you're a believer and this is not your church, you need to get connected to a local church somewhere. You need to find a place that you can plug in and invest in the greatest cause on the planet, in my opinion, the local church. You need to use your gifts someplace. If it's not here, you got to do it some, somewhere, somewhere. All right, so here's the first thing that we have in common. That makes us uncommon. Jot this this down. You might say, Colby, I agree with these. Count me in. You know, I'm all in. I I agree. We're we're going full speed into helping people far from God reach their full potential in Christ. Here's the first thing. Jot this down. We will do things no one is doing to reach people no one is reaching. There are a lot of churches that are content uh, with kind of going after the people that are churched people that are standing in the same line for the same thing. And there's a lot of people in our city that are standing in lines that are hopeless, that are helpless, that are spiritually restless, that have no connections, that that are unchurched, and no one is reaching out to those people. And you need to understand that we will always err on the side of being too aggressive rather than being too passive when it comes to reaching people far from God. We've said that, that we will do anything short of sin to reach people who are stranded in sin. Why would we do that? Because we don't believe that the church exists for us, but we believe that the church exists for the world, and we are a part of, of that, and there's a big difference. I like the way Paul said it. I'll look at 1 Corinthians 9. He said, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Like, I'm going to do whatever I can to win as many as possible, and so I become all things to all men, so that by all means, I might save, save some. So by all means, I'm going to do anything I can. In other words, I'm going to do anything short of sin. In other words, I'm going to do what no one else is doing to reach the people no one else is reaching. Some of the ways we do this are through our our. Every month we do Love Erie Days, our mobile Dream Center goes out and serves our community and the reason we do that is to point people to, to Jesus. I mean, we just, we, we do that. We find people that, that no one is reaching and we point them to Jesus. We, we do it through those days like Convoy of Hope where we partner with people to, to, to bring hope to our, our city. But the greatest way that we do this is through what we're doing right now. Through our weekend worship worship experiences here and elevate where we say anyone is welcome, no matter your history, no matter your past, no matter what you did last night, no matter what you have done this morning, it doesn't matter, anyone and everyone is welcome here. In fact, uh, about a year and a half or so ago, you'll remember this, we had um, a guy arrested in our parking lot for, for drugs. Uh, it's probably happened more than once, I don't, I don't really know. But we've had, um, he was arrested for, for drugs in our parking lot, um, not dealing him in our parking lot, they just knew he would be at church. You knew he knew he comes here, you knew he'd try and, and they, they caught him in the parking lot, and people would see that and eerie alerts got a hold of that on Facebook, and they started blowing up all kinds of negative chatter about that. you know how you know that church you know those people going to that church, those people going to that church, and I would talk to people, and they would respond by saying, "Well, um, well, I guess we didn 't help him." Well, I guess, guess the church didn 't make too big of an impact in his life i think that's one way of looking at it but i see it completely differently i see a guy who is trying i see someone who is who is trying to do what's right but he's getting his rear end kicked by by doing what's wrong. I see someone who is searching hard after God, doing, doing his best to make some good decisions, but maybe in his past he's made some bad ones, right? And so he's caught up in this, this pattern of sin. I, I, I see someone who has a spiritual battle going on in his life where he wants to do the right thing and, and for some reason he can't. He keeps falling back. And the reason that fires me up, and the reason I get excited about, about that is because I'm so glad he walked in these doors. And I'm so glad that people like that feel welcome and can come seek and search God here in this environment. you know why I'm excited about that? Because it reminds me of me. Reminds me of me 25 years ago or so. The same thing. Here's a guy. I'm I'm wanting to serve God, wanting to do what's right, but I still find myself doing all the things that I I shouldn't be doing. And this might be controversial for a lot of you, but this church was started in, large, in part, to reach people just like that. People that are far from God. And the great thing about that mission of people far from God, uh, reaching their full potential in Christ, is every single person in this room fits on that spectrum somewhere. There are some people in this room, you feel extremely far from God. You might not be a believer at all, and you're checking this thing out. There are others of you that you're a little further along in your journey, but none of us, including me, have reached our full potential potential yet. So we create environments where anyone from any walk of life can come through these, through these doors. And for someone like that to come through and just search for God and, and, and do his best to find him here, it makes me very um, emotional because that's why we started this church. And what I hope you'll realize to one degree or another, we're all exactly like him anyway. And aren't you glad that God didn't send Jesus to come for the righteousness or those who have it all together or the perfect, but he came for the lost, the broken, and the sinners just like you and just like me. Amen. And the reason, again, that moves me so much is because I know there's somebody that walked through these doors this morning that, that you're in that exact same spot. There are people battling all kinds of things, that uh, addictions, That maybe you walk through these doors today in bondage, but in Jesus' name, you're gonna leave in freedom. Like that something's gonna change. You're gonna have an encounter with God. So we work hard to create environments where anyone and everyone is welcome. And so you should know that that means it gets messy from time to time. We found beer bottles in the women's restroom. That's true. I, I I found little half Joints in the offering plate. I think someone was tithing their, their weed. I don't know. That's true. It gets messy from time to time, creating environments where anyone and everyone is welcome. Don't look to your right or to your left, but there's someone on your rows that's probably an ex con. That's probably true too. Like, everybody gets nervous. You're like, uh oh. There's people suffering from addictions on your rows. There's people who have, have current addictions, people who will be free from their addictions. There's people on your row that cuss a little. There's people on your row that cuss a lot, right? There's people on your row that smell like smoke. There's people on your row that smell like they've been smoking something else. And so it gets messy. But here's our commitment. We will risk the ocean and go out into deeper water where we have to totally in, and, and just rely on God's grace and mercy in our lives to do all that he's called us to do, And we want you to be a part of that. You're like, Colby, how, how can I be a part of that, 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 that common focus of, of reaching people that, that no one is reaching? Well, the way you do it is through your invitation. You all know people who are far from God. There's people in your family. Maybe it's a mother or a father or brother, sister. Maybe it's someone at school. Maybe it's someone that you work with that does not know Jesus that are far from him. We want you to invite them, bring them to an environment where they can meet him, have an encounter with him. See, I think, I think some of the last things that people need is more information about God. We don't need more information, more information, more information. We need to experience life transformation. We don't need another um, like, uh, exercise of coming to church, but we need to have this authentic encounter with God, and your friends need that too. And so here's our promise to you. If you bring them to church, you invite them to church, and I hope you will, and I hope they come, it will be a good week. It'll be a good week. Like every single week, we are going to tell them about Jesus in a real and practical, simple way that lets them know what God has done for them through his son, Jesus, and we'll do it in a compelling way, and it's going to be a good week because I've been a part of churches where it hasn't been a good week to bring your friends. You know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever been there? Like, I, I, um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, in college, we started going to a church for a little bit that was meeting in a school. And every week, I'd try to get more friends to come. Like, hey, you gotta come check this out. You gotta come check this out. And they'd all say, no, 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 I'm not gonna come. I'm not gonna come. Uh, then the week that they would come, all right, like, it was a, a, a spiritual principle. Like, without fail, when they would show up, it would be wacky Sunday at church. You know what I'm talking about? Like, tambourine lady would show up shofar guy would show up, you know, in the back to blowing his horn. We had, and I'm not even kidding about this. We had a guy that would show up with an, an alto horn. It's like this brass instrument. He would stand in the back, had an alto horn in one hand, a baby in the other hand, and just start playing worship music in the back, pacing, like going back and forth. And i always like, why did you have to come this week? You know, it couldn't have been last week. Last week was awesome. This week was Goofy Sunday. And our promise to you is that we won't do that. Like you bring someone here that you love, that you care about, and we will point them to Jesus. And it won't be Wacky Sunday ever. And that's really our, our commitment to you. We just believe that church should be enjoyed not endured. We we believe that when you bring somebody, that we will help to, to build them up and not beat them up. And whenever I say that, somebody will, will always push back and say, "Well, that's just shallow. Like you're just nothing but a, a feel feel good church. That's just shallow. You just want people to feel good. What's the alternative? A feel bad church? Like really? Who wants to go to feel bad church this weekend? Come on, kids. Let's go to feel bad church. I'm not I'm not doing that. Here's number two. Jot this down. So we will do more by doing less. We will do more by doing less. First thing we will do is we will do, um, we're okay with doing things no one is doing to reach people no one is reaching. Then we will do more by doing less. In 1949, uh, a lady by the name of Evelyn Overton, she started um, baking cheesecakes in a factory in, in Detroit. Uh, she, she put together a little shop. And the reason she started was because she sent with her husband a cheesecake to work one day and her boss loved it. His boss loved it. And so she started baking cheesecakes out of her, out of, out of her home, out of her basement really, and started delivering them to restaurants around Detroit. And that lasted for just a couple of years until it got too busy. And she was, she's like, I'm, I'm raising kids. She had two kids, a son and a daughter. And she said, I'm going to put this on hold. I'm not going to be able to do this right now. We're just going to let this whole dream die. Well, after they grew up, they moved to California. And so they were in, in California and the dream started to get resurrected a little bit. And her husband and her started the Cheesecake Factory Bakery in California. And they were just baking cheesecakes for, for restaurants and local businesses, but she still had this dream of a, a restaurant, you know, a cheesecake kind of, kind of storefront, and, and her son started a sandwich shop, and in the sandwich shops, he started to display some of the cheesecakes that she had made, like 10 different kinds of cheesecakes, and that started to, to blow up, and eventually, you, it became known as the Cheesecake Factory, the restaurant, how many of you love the Cheesecake Factory? How many of you want some of that right now? And praise God, yeah, like, I love the Cheesecake Factory. I don't really love the cheesecake, but the strawberry shortcake there. Come on, somebody, that's what I'm talking about. That is, that's good stuff. But I was thinking about her, and I was thinking about the Cheesecake Factory, and so I printed out a menu, because I was hungry, of the Cheesecake Factory. Now, Now, keep in mind, this is called the Cheesecake Factory. Right, so this should be just full of cheesecake. Page one. We start with some appetizers. So page one, that's fine stuff. Mushrooms, loaded baked potato, uh, beets with goat cheese. That's different. Uh, crispy Cuban rolls, right? I'm getting some people hungry. Dynamite shrimp. I don't know if you had that. That's good. All right, and then it just keeps going on. Then we have fresh baked flatbreads. Still no cheesecake, all right? So, so appetizers, fresh baked flatbreads. Can't talk. Uh, then page four, some more appetizers, we have uh, roadside sliders, chicken pot stickers, quesadillas, and it keeps going on and on. And then, page five, we get to appetizer salads. Did you know that was such a thing? There's appetizer salads, even. And then, after that, there's pizzas. So, we have flatbreads, and now we have pizzas, but still no cheesecakes. So, now I'm on page, page eight, and page eight is called superfoods. So, you got things like avocado toasts. You have California guacamole. You have all this stuff. And then we get to lunch specials. Still no cheesecake, page 8. Page 9, you know, cheeseburgers, Uh, all different kinds of burgers. Page 10, now we get into some chicken specialties. Still no cheesecake. Uh, Page page 10 or or page 11, spicy cashew chicken. That's my favorite right there. I love that stuff. Uh, Still no cheesecake. Uh, Then page page 10, pasta. This thing is like a, a, a yearbook. This thing is massive fish and seafood. Then we get factory combinations. Then we get to another set of specialties. Steak and chops. Still no cheesecake. And here I am on page um, 14 or so. Uh, Some more side dishes. Caesar salads. Different kinds of salads. Uh, Page 18. Some more specials. Chicken sandwich. Veggie milk. Finally on page 20. Here's the list of cheesecakes. How crazy is that? Cheesecake's on the, the wall. Cheesecake is on the, the building, Cheesecake Factory. But it took 20 pages before you even got to cheesecake. Let's contrast that with this restaurant right here. How about some Chipotle? One page, boom, there it is. Four things that they do burrito, burrito bowl, taco, salad, what's up? That's it. Four things. And the reason I share that with you is because when it comes to focus, when it comes to vision, we are Chipotle as a church. We are not the Cheesecake Factory, all right? We don't have 60 billion pages of all this other stuff that we do. Like, we do four things. We, we want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. I was thinking about that this morning, and I could, I could, I could make Chipotle spiritual right here. Like, burrito is no God. Cause that's what they, they start with the burrito. Um, Find freedom is the bowl, like cause you're you're, you're unwrapping the burrito, <laughs> and you're releasing all that stuff that's inside of the burrito. Salads would be like discovering purpose. I don't I haven't really figured that one out. But then tacos, right? Like make a difference. You can share your tacos. You can't share a burrito, but you can share your tacos. So that's all right there. No God. Find freedom. <laughs> Discover purpose. Glory. Who's hungry? <laughs> We're Chipotle. We're not a cheesecake factory. Because we are laser focused on doing what God has called us to do. To help people reach their full potential in Christ. So we do more by doing less. And, and let me give you a, 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 a Roman numeral To that note is we do more with less. You should know that we are very passionate about honoring God, being good stewards of the resources he's given us. Like, I don't think you can read the Bible. I don't think you can read stories about Jesus without seeing how much being a good steward of what he's planted in you, of what he's given you matters to him. In fact, Matthew 25, 23 says, you've been faithful with a few things. And because of that, I'm gonna put you in charge of more things. Like Jesus wants us to be good stewards of the resources that he is giving us. Here's where I want to take off the blindfold again and give you a little behind the scenes of how we talk about this as a church staff um, because I think there's some power in this. We operate an extremely tight ship. You should know that. We are great stewards with all the resources that God has has provided for us. We have a a lean staff. First of all, 60% of churches In America, have 85 people or less. 60% of churches in this this country. Only 2% have 1,000 people. 0.4% have 2,000 people or more. Like, Like, that's it. And on average, what they say is healthy for a church attendance to staff ratio is one staff for every 100 people. We have here one staff for every 200 plus people. And that's, that's okay. We're just, we're just lean that way. We just feel like it's our job to equip you to do ministry. So even though we have one for every 200 plus people, we have an army of serve team that pour heart and soul. Come on, let's hear it for those that serve you by brewing coffee, that are out there waving at you in the parking lot, taking care of your little ones in the back. I mean, we have the most incredible serve team on the planet. I just want you to know that we are, are very lean that way. And we are, are lean because of, of this statistic right here. The average church giving in America, and it, I don't want you to take this wrong way. This is not to beat you up because I'll, I'll explain this. There's, we have so much opportunity in this. The average church in America, they're giving per person. The way they break that down is $28 per person like per week. Okay, Our average giving is half of that, $14 per person per week. But even with that, our heart is still to be a generous church. And even though uh, we, we get maybe half of what a church our size um, would get, which is, that's fine. That is what it is. Um, that's just the, the sandbox that we live in, that we're, we're going to play in. Um, we still have a heart to give. And so already this year alone, we've given $4,000 to the Erie City Mission, $30,000 to Convoy of Hope, $25,000 to helping church plants through the Association of Related Churches, $24,000 Beyond Our Wall, $6,400 to our one-for-one one benevolence, nearly $90,000 this year so far we have already given Beyond the Walls. And so the question is, Colby, how do you do that? Like, how, how can you do that? How can you be generous? The average church, by the way, gives away 5% to Missions. We give 10 plus percent away right off the top. And I believe God honors that. And it's not because, you know, we have a church full of great givers. We honestly honestly don't. But I believe as we put God first, like he honors that and he blesses the rest. And again, I don't see that as an obstacle. I see it as an opportunity. Because just imagine what happens when the people who aren't being obedient and trusting God with the tithe... Tithe, just imagine when they start to do that. Just imagine what's possible then. Just imagine the the good that we can do and the difference that we can make. We will do more by doing less. We are Chipotle, not cheesecake, and we will do more with less. Here's the third thing. Jot this down. We believe, the third thing we have in common is that great strength comes through great unity. We know for a fact that we are better Together, And we know that that what we are a part of is bigger than the individual parts that we play. Let me read for you 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 12, starting in verse 12, it says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ, verse 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? The the answer is no. Um, Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, you would look like a cyclops. That'd be super weird, right? How would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part exactly where he wants it. In other words, Um, It takes uniting our uniquenesses and that every single one of us has a part to play. You bring your elbow, you bring your knee, you bring your thumbs, you bring your your spleen, you bring whatever it is, right? We all have a part to play. A body full of kneecaps is super weird and it doesn't work. And so knowing this, that we are better together, we are stronger together, it's we unite our uniquenesses. I think about the, the warriors of Sparta. Some of you have seen that movie, The 300. There's been movies and stories written about these guys, but this incredible army that would go out, and they knew that their strength wasn't found in the sharpness of their spears, but it's found in the, the strength of their shields together. They were stronger on the line together. In fact, when they would go off to battle, the families would often you know, call to them or yell to them, hey, come back with your shield or come back on it. In other words, you better come back with your shield. You better not lose your shield in battle. Like no matter what, you can lose your spear, you can lose anything else, but you better not lose that spear, either come back with it or come back dead on it. And the reason they said that is because their helmets were meant for their own protection, for their personal protection. Their breastplate was meant for their protection. Their armor was meant for their protection. Their shield, however, was meant for the protection of the brothers on the line. It was meant to to protect one another. They knew that great strength was found in their unity. And so when we stop and think um, about the fact that I'm not an individual in this, that I have a part, and yes, God has created you uniquely. You are destined to make an impact, but united together, we will always do greater things. Unity is the key to our, our strength. And we can do more together. Leviticus 26.8 says, five of you shall chase a hundred, but a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. See, God's kind of math, uh, his favorite math is multiplication. And it's not just that, that five of us together can reach a hundred. It's that a hundred of us can do far greater, can reach 10,000. That's not just 20-fold, that's 100-fold impact. So Colby, why are you saying that? What's the motivation behind that? Just so we can be a big church, so we can reach more and more people, know it so fewer and fewer people spend eternity in hell, and more and more people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Amen? Amen. And the more people we reach, the more people we need to pick up their shield and carry it and to support one another. Here's the last thing, and I'll shut this thing down. Number four, we are difference makers. So here's what we, we have in common. I believe that makes us uncommon for the cause of Christ. We're gonna do things no one else is doing. To reach out and reach people no one else is reaching, we will do more really by doing less, by staying focused on who God has called us to be. As a church, we are united under that. We will um, understand that our strength comes from our, our unity that as we stand shoulder to shoulder and side by side and and lock arms, we're better together and that ultimately we're going to make a difference. Paul said in Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God who is able to do through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Through his power within us to accomplish. That God wants to do more through us, that God wants to do more through you, that God wants to make a tremendous impact through your life. I see a church that serves people in our community so um, with, with so much passion that people can't stand, can't can't do anything other than stand up and take notice. So these guys really believe in what they're doing. I see, I see a church that is so generous that as we give what we have that we can make a difference for those who need more. And people will say that church is really different. But here's the thing about being a difference maker. You can't be a difference maker unless you are different. Unless God has done something in your life. Unless God has taken you from far from him to now in this journey of reaching your full potential in him. And some of you would say, Colby, man, I'm, I'm in on that. Like count me in. Like, I'm gonna partner with the church. Let's do this. Let's, let's storm the gates of hell. Come on, let's, let's go. And can I just, here's one warning to all of this. Is that when you decide to do that, you will be persecuted. You, you might not be liked by your family. You will hurt in different ways you've never hurt before because God will give you this, this, this holy discontent for people who are far from him. God will give you this holy discontent for for the orphan and for the widow, and so it might cost you more than you think. But at the end of your life, and I love what Al said on that video, is that as you stand before God, he'll look at you and say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were a great steward of everything that I gave you. You made a difference in the world with everything that I gave you. And he'll welcome you in to the kingdom. Here's what I want us to do. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I have two invitations for us this morning. Here's here's the first. Those of you that are believers, you've said yes to Jesus. You've received the the free gift of grace. But somewhere along the way, you've, you've forgotten your focus. Maybe for your life, maybe for your family, maybe for for the church, knowing that you are a part of the body and you would say, Colby, I have another step to take. It might not even be here. It might be um, making a difference in our city. God put a ministry on your heart and you've never taken that first step or that second step. You took the first one and then it kind of died off and you've forgotten about it, but God wants to reignite this passion, this desire deep down in your soul again, let it to burn brightly because you are the light of the world and God's calling you to be a light. Maybe it's a book that you have that, that God wants you to write. Maybe it's just forgiving someone. Maybe it's, maybe it's reaching out to, to a friend who is far from God. Whatever it is, you have another step to take and God is impressing upon your heart what it is. Would you raise your hand right now? You're a believer, but you know you have another step to take. Hold it up high right now, wherever you are in the room. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God for all of us, my hand included. God, I pray for those in this room with hands held high that you would give them boldness. You would give them strength, God, that you would equip them because you've never led us to do something or called us to do something that you haven't equipped us already to do. And so I pray in Jesus' name that you would would, uh, give us that courage and that strength to see it through, to take Whatever that next step is, if it's a small step or a big step, God, I pray that we would be a church full of difference makers and we would take that step that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, put your hands down, still praying. One more invitation for those of you. When I say far from God, you're like, that's me. In fact, maybe today you've never felt as far from God as you do right now someone invited you here, someone brought you here, you've you've been here time and time again. Tell you the way that we draw close to God, the Bible says when we do that, he draws close to us and maybe God is bringing you to that place. Where is time to give up? Stop trying to do this on your own to to surrender to him. That God so loves you that he sent Jesus to die for the sin that you're carrying and you don't have to carry it anymore. And the reason you feel far and disconnected is because you are carrying that sin pattern with you. And maybe today is the day that you walked in with that, but you're gonna leave without it because you understand that God loves you and sent Jesus to die for you. And the way we enter into a relationship with him is through prayer that I wanna lead you in right now. It's a simple prayer. It's the way we communicate with God. If you'd say, Colby, when you pray that prayer, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus. I'm ready to not let this sin weigh me down. I'm ready to not let this, this sin, this, this past of mine define me, but I'm ready to move forward in the life that Jesus has for me. I'm gonna put my trust in him today. If you'd say, Colby, that's me, would you raise your hand? No one's looking around. Just hold your hand up high. See, that's where I am. I need to confess Jesus is Lord and Savior. And I want a fresh start with him. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God for you. You can put your hand down. Just repeat after me. Say something like this. You can use your own words. Jesus, I give up. I turn from my sin and I turn towards you. I turn toward the fact that you died on the cross for me. And the moment you conquered death, you have given me new life. And so I confess you as Lord. I confess you as, as Savior. And from this moment on, I will choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, come into my, my heart. Make me new, God, and help me to grow closer and closer to you every day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate with those. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there'll be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to feeling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.